Welcome to the Reclaim Church Podcast. Thanks for joining us today. Whether you're a part of our Reclaim Church family or just tuning in for the first time, we would love to connect with you on Instagram at Reclaim Church or at our website at reclaimed-church.com. We hope this word encourages and inspires you today. Let's dive in. Glad you guys are here. We're going to be continuing a series this morning. I'm excited to do it, wrapping up a series actually. Last week, me, Allie, Wendy, and Caleb and our little babies went all the way to Georgia, guys. And praise report, I went 16 hours in the car with a one-year-old and did not get frustrated, all right? God is really moving in my life. I did not get frustrated. I didn't even complain. And I found the answer. I found what God really works through. And that is the absolute best noise-canceling headphones money can buy. It will change your life. It changed my life. Allie actually borrowed them a few times, and that's when my faith was really tested in those moments, because I was like, I've lost my cocoon. I've lost it, and now I've really got to stick in the faith. So I got like at least 12 solid hours of pre, post, and amillennialism teaching in my head, so I'm really excited. One day, we'll do an eschatology series, but I don't think you guys are ready for it yet, so eventually we'll get there because it's my favorite thing to do, but other than that, that's what's been going on with me. We're wrapping up our series called Necessary Sins, okay? Now, just in case this is your first week, we have not um, done an entire series on arguing for the fact that there are particular sins that are necessary. What we've been arguing for is the fact that um, many of us, whether it's our upbringing or our culture, we can grow up and believe that certain things are necessary depending on what we're going through. Maybe you're stuck in traffic and you feel frustration is just a necessary part of life. Someone wrongs you, someone um, betrays you, and you believe blaming or complaining or gossip is just a necessary part of life. And what we've been doing in this series is going through um, kind of culture and scripture and how sometimes we can feel that things are necessary or accepted when in reality, um, scripture says something different. So that's kind of been our series today. We're finally wrapping up. This is the last one in the series. And the last sin we're talking about is fear. All right. So today we're going to be talking about fear and anxiety. We'll kind of throw that into the mix as well. Sound good? All right, sweet. So for the last one, we're going to kick it off by um, flipping over to Matthew chapter 6, verse 25, right? And um, this is Jesus here, and he says, Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is life more than food, and is the body more than clothing. Now, obviously, this was, you know, first century people, and we're all the way in the 21st century. So our worries and concerns are very different, right? I mean, they had to worry about whether or not they're going to have enough food to survive. But our worries is, is our Wi-Fi going to connect? And how long are we going to have to wait in the car line? And things like that. So, you know, obviously, Jesus can't really relate to the level of worries and anxiety that we have, because ours is so much more severe. But just try to relate, okay? Try to, try to pretend that Jesus can understand 
understand the level of anxieties that we go through because Jesus says, do not be anxious about your life. And I wonder, have you ever been anxious about your life? Have you ever been anxious about your life in like the past 10 minutes? Have you ever been anxious about your life in the past few days or the last week? I wonder, have we made anxiety? Have we made fear? Have we made that just kind of like a normal part of our lives? Because I believe scripture teaches something very different. And I believe you and I are meant to be very different. So as we dive in, I'd like to go ahead and define a few words. And we're going to define anxiety. So this is the definition of anxiety. It is the feeling of worry about a future event with an uncertain outcome, all right? So fear is wrapped up in anxiety. You can kind of have fear maybe without anxiety, but you can't have anxiety without fear because it's this worry about something that's to come, but it's something that hasn't even necessarily happened yet. So to to define fear, fear is the belief that something or someone will be dangerous or Unpleasant. Isn't that interesting that the actual definition has the word belief in there? Fear is the belief that someone or something dangerous or unpleasant will happen to you because you can believe that something's going to happen and it never will. So you can put your faith or your belief into fear and never have it come around to actually get you, but yet you're still putting your, your, um, your belief in it. So faith is obviously the opposite of fear, and faith means to have complete trust or confidence in someone or something. Complete trust or confidence. So that's just kind of the definitions of the words. That way, as we go on, you guys can follow and understand what it is that I'm talking about. And just to be clear... I know a lot of times, you know, maybe people have chemical imbalances and we need to seek a physician for things like that. But the vast majority of situations, and I decided not to get into all the statistics, but the vast majority of um, anxiety and fears that people struggle with every day are not necessarily chemical imbalances, but thinking problems and belief problems. So that's what we're going to talk about today is belief problems, because we want to make sure that we are putting our confidence in someone who is trustworthy. All right. So if we were to take a look at our lives, let's be honest, let's look over the past month. If you were to put a percentage on it, what percentage of your life is filled with faith and what percentage of your life is filled with anxiety or fear. Because I notice it's really easy, especially for like Christian people like you guys, you know, we say things like, Jesus is my provider, you know? And then we get like one extra bill in and all of a sudden we forget that Jesus is our provider. Because all of a sudden we need provision, but we don't really think that God provides. We look for other areas to bring us comfort and peace, but normally not him. So it's really common with, among Christians to say that they believe something, but in reality, whenever you go through and experience it, it reveals what you actually believe. So many of us claim to put our whole faith in Jesus, but then we spend our lives fearful and afraid, and you actually have a belief problem. 
You've chosen to transition your faith from Christ over to fear. It's a, it's a belief that you're putting it into. So Hebrews 11.6 says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Now, obviously, the writer of Hebrews, maybe you think it's Paul, maybe you don't, is referring to salvation, but he's also including a lot more, you know, kind of like Jesus was talking about in Matthew 6, that we have to not just put our faith in Jesus for salvation, but we're meant to live our lives with an aspect of faith. We have to believe that he really does work all things together because we believe that he is who he says he is. Faith is belief in the consistency of someone. See, it's easy to have faith that God is a provider, that he's going to have provision for you when you've seen him do it again and again. So that's the reason for scriptures many times, and we even sing a song, Do It Again. You know, all throughout scripture, we see God show up and he does it again and again and again. And many of us live our lives in fear because we've never actually spent um, time being dependent on God. So we don't really know that he's faithful because we've never given him a chance to be. And many of us live our lives fearful, whether it's with our children, whether it's with our health, whether it's with our family members, whatever it might be, we live our lives fearful because we're not actually willing to put our faith in God in that particular area. And if you were to put your faith in God in that particular area, you'd probably find that he's consistent, that he's consistently faithful. But many of us struggle with fear because we've never been willing to do so. We go, God, well, maybe I'll trust you. You know, I'll trust you with my health, but I don't know that I can trust you with my children's health. Or, or maybe I'll trust you with, with my finances, but I, I think I'm going to keep a closer wrap on this. And again, I'm not saying that any of us make a mental decision to do that, but the situations that we go through reveal where we actually put our faith. Whenever you get the bill, whenever you're worried about your children, whenever you're sitting in the hospital, those moments are what reveals where your faith actually is. Not sitting here in a pew. We don't have pews, but that'd be cool. Not sitting here, and you know they got those little books in the front. I've never read them, but there's something in there. Um, not sitting here in one of those chairs. They're not just Bibles. They're other ones. Miranda knows. We'll ask her later. Everyone meet Miranda after church, and she will tell you what is in the books, okay? Um, I know this book, though. Anyway, so, so the point is we have to have complete confidence, all right? Because, look, fear will always legitimize its existence. Fear will always legitimize its existence. And yet in conflict, 1 John 4, 8 says that perfect love casts out all fear, Perfect love casts out all fear. So that means that when God walks into the room, fear has to walk out. And yet many of us believe that fear is a normal and necessary part of life. And we'll get into that in a second. Joshua 1.9 says, this is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. If you notice, again, do not be afraid, take heart. All that stuff is the number one command repeated in scripture over and over again. That's what scripture tells you more than anything else is to not be afraid because you see it's impossible to please God without faith because what fear does is it takes down the character of God. 
because faith exalts his consistency. And in order to have fear, you have to doubt the consistency of his character. Because when you have complete faith, you know he'll come through every single time. So in order to experience fear, you have to doubt his character. And that's why it says over and over in scripture, do not fear. You have to have faith to to please God because we have to realize who God actually is. And it's because of this fact that people can sit in prison cells, they can sit in hospitals, they can get bad reports, they can be in the midst of horrible situations and still have peace and still have faith because they've realized that they're worshiping a consistent person. And yet many of us don't see God as consistent because we've never taken the time to actually get to know him. And yet we live our lives with fear and anxiety when we are called to be courageous. You and I are called to be courageous. And the question is, has fear become a necessary part of life? I hear Christians say this all the time. Well, fear can be a good thing. Right? You guys have heard that, right? Fear can be a good thing because it it keeps you safe. You have just redefined what Scripture says, and you have redefined what the word actually means. Because you see, God can speak to us. He can speak to you about your children, and he can tell you, no, they shouldn't do that. Or he can speak to you about your health. But the way that God speaks is he can't speak through fear because I have not given you a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind, right? So we have been confused because remember, fear will always attract whatever is needed to legitimize its existence. And it's a spirit because I have not given you a spirit of fear. So this spirit of fear that does not come from God has found the way to legitimize its existence is to convince you that it's needed. So many of us have been convinced to believe that fear is needed because we believe, well, this is what keeps us safe instead of realizing it's what God that keeps us safe. God is our provision. This is what David talks about all throughout the psalm. He's going to run to God for protection and for safety. And many of us have decided to go ahead and stand for fear to find our protection and safety. And that doesn't mean that God can't speak to you about not to do things. But you see, the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy. So every time God speaks, every time he moves, he's going to convict you with peace and joy. And you have those moments where you go, you know, maybe I shouldn't do that. Maybe I should change my health habits. Maybe I should, um, you know, keep an eye on my child. But it comes through the feeling of peace and not the feeling of fear. You know, oh, maybe I shouldn't let my kid do that because I have a peace that this is what I'm meant to do as a parent. You see, what fear does is it convicts you through worry and concern, which is outside the character of God, because perfect love casts out all fear. So God will never speak through fear. And yet many of us have decided, you know what, fear is necessary because what's going on is there's something inside the spiritual realm that wants to legitimize its existence, not realizing that what you have is love, power, and a sound mind. So when I make decisions, it's moving through the kingdom of God, which is peace, joy, and I'm gonna have a sound mind when I make decisions. 
It's not going to be determined based off of fear or worry or anxiety. Those are things that the enemy wants to convince me of because remember, it's through faith that we receive, right? Scripture talks about that over and over, by faith, through faith. And let me ask you, if you're receiving through faith by God, who are you receiving from by fear? What do you receive and who do you receive from when you allow fear into your heart? Because it's by faith and through faith that you and I as believers are meant to live. And I don't think you'll just be able to switch off fear. It's not like I'm just going to decide one day and I'm never going to feel worried. But the point is, you can feel worried and still have courage. The whole point of courage is the fact that you deny what you're feeling and you choose to do something else anyway. Have you guys ever seen the movie Aragon? It used to be like my favorite movie. I have one person. There's this big blue dragon in it. It's legit, though. It's not a cartoon, all right? And um, he's, like, he's like a dragon rider, and he fights for good. And it's the coolest movie anyway. But at the end, um, I don't want to spoil it, but I know you won't watch it anyway. So um, the, the dra- he thinks his dragon died, but it didn't. And they're like, oh, my gosh, you're alive. And he tells, or no, I'm, I totally got this movie packed up. I didn't plan this. Anyways, right before the battle scene, this is what happened. It's right before the battle scene, and he's talking to his dragon because it can talk, but it's cool, I promise. It's really cool. Um, they, like, hear each other's thoughts. It's really cool. Anyway, so, and he says... He says, why did you choose me? Because the dragon chose him to be the rider. And he's like, why did you choose me? And she goes, because of your heart. And he goes, but I'm not without fear. And she goes, I know, but if you were without fear, you could never truly have courage. So, I mean, that's kind of to to you guys hear that from a dragon. It's really powerful. But (laughs) it's not as powerful from me, but a really big blue dragon, it's like, wow, I felt that. And I think in Scripture, you know, it's the same principle. Many of us think, you know, there's nothing special about me. You know, I struggle with anxiety. I struggle with fear. You know, I'm not really the type of person that God will actually use. But I believe in a similar sense, God would look at you and go, but if you had no fear, you could never truly practice courage. And I think there's times in our lives when we have to have difficult conversations, when we're meant to share the gospel, when we're meant to actually be the the light of the world, when fear and anxiety will, will creep in, when we're worried about God being the provider. It's in those moments that it's even more powerful to choose courage and faith when you actually feel fear. It's even more powerful to go, you know, I might feel fear, but I'm going to choose faith. Because I believe that God is consistent, and I believe that he will show up even when I don't see it. Even when it feels challenging, even when it feels hard, even when I don't see how you're going to do it, God, I feel fear, but I'm going to choose faith. It's a decision. And you know what? I want to be good at making that decision. I don't want fear to become a necessary part of my life, a common part of my life. I want to be a person where faith is who I am. Romans 8.28 says, And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. You know, In those moments, God, if this doesn't work out, Even if it fails, even if everything comes crumbling down, I know somewhere on the other side you will be bringing everything to to good because I know I love you 
And I know your word is true. I know that you're going to have everything come to pass. In the midst of fear, I'm still going to choose faith because a fearful person has put their belief in the wrong area. Because in order to have fear, you have to believe that something wrong is going to happen. And it's the opposite of the kingdom. It's the opposite of faith. And that's why God tells us over and over again to take courage, to have faith, to not be fearful because he knows in order to be fearful, you have to take your eyes off of him. Because he knows when perfect love walks into the room, it casts out all fear. And that's why we are meant to live lives where we invite him into the room. In the moments where we fear, feel fear, we have to choose faith. Faith is believing that God will be consistent with his character. Consistent with his character. All right, we're going to jump over to Philippians chapter 4. No, it's not going to be verse 13, but you guys can write on your hats anyway. And we're going to start off in verse 6. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. All right, so just to be clear, whenever we start this journey of faith, it doesn't mean that whenever we get into circumstances where we feel fear, it doesn't mean we pretend that we don't. All right, that's like really messed up. But people do that all the time. They're like, I'm not scared. And they're like, knees are shaking. You know, we want to be honest, but the point is we give it to God with our honesty. We go, you know, God, I'm really worried about my children. I'm really worried about my parents. I'm really worried about my career, how I'm going to provide. I'm really concerned, but instead of holding on to it myself, I'm going to give it to you because I know you are good. I know you're faithful, even when I can't see it, even when I can't understand it. I know you are consistent with your character. You give it over to God. And then it says, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So again, this is how people can sit in prison cells, how Paul could sit in prison and still be filled with peace and joy because it surpasses all understanding all understanding. Brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, where there is excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. So we're coming back to our mind and our thoughts and what we're thinking about. Because when we take time to put all of our thoughts on what is true and what is honorable, whenever we come into situations of fear, we're ready for them. And that's why we can experience peace in the midst of them. And this is why it's challenging when those of us, you know, we spend our lives on TikTok and binge watching episodes and all this stuff, which isn't bad. But the problem is when we actually get into a, to sound real churchy, a battlefield ground, you know, um, we end up failing most of the time. And it's because we're never actually prepared for real moments. We spend our lives distracted and entertained, and then we fail in these real-life moments. We end up living our lives anxious and afraid and all of this stuff because we never actually fixed our minds on what was true and what was honorable. 
So when things start to go wrong, we're not really ready to, to be in war. We're just ready to, you know, be medicated or to be sitting in front of a TV trying not to think about what's going on. I've done that before, right? You turn on the episode and you're like, just not going to think about it. Like, my life is this show right now. Like, nothing, nothing is outside of this show. Like, you guys that have dealt with anxious moments, you know what I'm talking about. But the point is, we were never actually ready for what was going on. People like Paul were ready because they spent their lives thinking on what was true and honorable. And that's why no one could really take his joy away. No one could really hurt him because he was fixed on this one thing. Jump over to chapter one now in Philippians. Uh, Paul put it this way in verse 27. He says, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. How many of you guys are good no matter what happens, conducting yourselves in a manner that is worthy of the gospel? How many of you say, in the last month, I have been so good. When people have spoken nasty things about me, when they've hurt me, when I've gotten stressed, when, when things haven't gone my way, when I didn't get the job, when I got the extra bill, I can look back now and know I conducted myself in a manner that was worthy of the gospel. How many of us would go, we're really good at that? Maybe not yet, right? And, and again, this is first century stuff. Jesus can't really, Paul can't really relate to us because all these people are worried about is getting beaten and tortured and killed for the gospel. I mean, they can't really relate to us and our Wi-Fi signal. They can't really relate to us in the car line and the cars just never move. I mean, they can't really relate to us, but just try to pretend, you know, but he says that we should conduct ourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel. When someone talks behind your back, when, when people betray you, when they take advantage of you, we are meant to conduct ourselves in a way that is worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then he says, then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I know that you stand firm in the spirit striving together as faith of Gospel. Verse 28 says, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. And he says, this is a sign that they will be destroyed, but you will be saved and that by God. I probably could have picked a different version, but you guys get the point. All right. So this is, this is the point. When we experience faith in the midst of fear, this is really cool. Our victory, our victory over fear sends a signal to the demonic realm that they have an appending doom that is coming. All right, every time we're victorious over fear, because that's what that's what they work in. They work in fear and intimidation, and we are meant to be people of faith because we understand the consistency of God. So whenever we actually work under the consistency of God, we're a signal to all the demonic forces going, hey, there is a time coming when the church is going to take its rightful place. Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father, waiting for every single enemy to be put under his feet. This is a reminder that you are going to be put under his feet. Every single time you and I defeat fear, it sends out a reminder that you are going to be put under Christ's feet. When our spiritual enemies fail to make us afraid, they have failed completely because they really have no other weapon than fear and intimidation. 
Uh, David Guzek puts it this way um, in his commentary on this passage. He says, when Christians stand strong against fear, it is a reminder to the spiritual ultimate destruction is certain. I don't know about you, but I want to be that type of person that every time I am victorious over fear, I send a reminder that their destruction is certain. Their destruction is certain. And on the opposite, the opposing um, way of losing to fear, anytime you believe a lie, you always empower the liar. Because again, it's going to legitimize its existence. So whenever you put your faith in the lie, you legitimize the existence of it and you empower the liar. And many of us, if we're not careful, we can spend our lives empowering the liar instead of actually broadcasting the fact that their imminent doom is coming. So we need to make sure that we are people that are victorious over fear and don't participate in it. We want to make sure that's an actual core value of ours. Faith is sincere. It's not just something we talk about, but it's something that we practice. All right, First Peter 5, 6 says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty right hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Again, we don't just pretend that we're not feeling fear, but we want to make sure that we explain everything to God. We cast all of our worries onto him and we go, yeah, I am afraid of X, Y, and Z. I don't, I don't know how it's going to turn out. I don't see how it's going to come together, but I know that you can bring everything together. So in the midst of the struggle, in the midst of the fear and the worry, I'm going to cast it onto you, Father, and I'm going to believe that you will be consistent with your character. No matter what happens, I believe in the end, you will have all things come together for those who love you. I believe you'll work everything together for good because that's who you are. I'm not just going to believe that this is something that I'm meant to do, that fear is common, that fear is normal. I don't want sin to be normal in my life. Fear will always, always, always legitimize its existence. Last passage, then we'll be done, all right? John 14, 27. Um, Jesus says, peace I leave with you. So this is um, the portion in John whenever he's talking about how he's going to go and he's going to send the advocate and it's better for him to go um, and the advocate to come. You guys know what I'm talking about? All right, so this is kind of how he closes that section of scripture in chapter 14. He goes, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give it to you as the world gives and do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. This is kind of the father's closing remarks again, because he knows that when we're afraid, when we're troubled, we're actually questioning the character of the father. So again, this is why he repeats it over and over and over again, that you and I are meant to live fearlessly. All right. So he starts out and says, peace, I leave with you. This is kind of a normal um, goodbye in that day. You know, you might have heard shalom, and this is kind of what Jesus is saying, but, but he takes this normal um, greeting or this normal way of saying goodbye, and he repeats, he says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give it to you as the world gives, though. 
So he goes, everyone else just says this as a way to, to say goodbye, and they don't really mean anything of it. Kind of how most of you guys say, I'll pray for you, but never really do. You know, it's just something nice to say. <laughs> that was shade, sorry. Um, it's, just, it's just something nice to say, but then we don't actually practice it. And Jesus is going, people might say peace with you just as something nice to say, but he's going, I'm actually going to do it. I give you peace, not like the world gives you. Not as the world that I give you. When someone is in that ancient culture said peace as they departed, they said it without any specific meaning. It was like when we say goodbye, but Jesus wanted them to know that when he said, peace, I leave with you, it wasn't a casual, empty way of how most people say it. This peace was something that was actually meant to guide our lives. Because when Jesus left, what came in its stead, what we got was the power of the Holy Spirit and legitimate peace. That's what you and I are meant to operate in. But you see, the goal of the enemy is to take away the very thing that we were left with. And yet many of us spend our lives distracted with no power and with no peace. Because remember, when Jesus defeated the powers of darkness, he took back the keys and all power has been given to me. And through that power, we are meant to be the people that witness to the ends of the earth. But yet many of us are not only not witnessing, but we're doing it without power and without peace. And yet that was the way that we were meant to operate and live our lives was with power and with peace, not because of something that we've done, but because of what he has done. We're actually meant to be people of peace. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy. You've received righteousness because of what Jesus has done, but whether or not you have joy and peace depends on what it is that you fix yourself on. It needs to be honorable. It needs to be right. It needs to be lovely. And many of us fix ourselves on things that are not exactly in Paul's description. And we spend our lives anxious. We spend our, our lives afraid and fearful and worrying. And we actually take away from God's character. Or, you know, we take away from what we believe about God's character. And we put our faith in something else. Um, William Barclay, um, who's a scholar, put it this way. He said, in the Bible, the word for peace, shalom, never means simply the absence of trouble. It means everything which makes for the highest good. The peace which the world offers us is a peace of escape, the peace which comes from avoidance of trouble and from refusing to face things. But you see, the peace that Jesus gives is a peace in the midst of trouble. That's the peace that Jesus was leaving for you. You might have the inkling to run away from conflict, to run away from trouble. You hate the feeling that it gives you, me too. But Jesus is going in the midst of trouble. I'm going to give you a peace in the midst of trouble. So I want us to take a moment and I want us to make sure that when we walk out of the room, when we go home, all that stuff, that we actually realize that faith is needed. All right, so let's just ask the Father, God, will you convict my heart if, I'd, if I've allowed fear to become necessary? God, will you show me um, maybe the areas that I've been fearful 
whether it's around my health or my family or my job or my finances? Are there any areas that I have been fearful in? I want to make sure that I'm casting my anxieties on you. And this is kind of the, again, it's real easy. It's practical. It's easier said than done. But we go, okay, God, I'm going to give you my career. I'm going to give you my children. I'm going to give you my husband, my wife. And then the moments of fear, I might feel fear, but I want to choose courage. I want to choose faith. I want to honor you, and I want to know that you are consistent, that you are consistently faithful. All right, amen. So that's what it looks like when you're in your car and you're worried. That's what it looks like whenever you're laying in bed at night or when your your spouse isn't home yet. All of those things that we get, it's going, you know what? I believe that God's going to work things together. I believe he's going to actually work in my life. All right, sound good? So that's the end of our series, Necessary Sins. Next week, we'll be kicking off a really cool new series. I am just excited to hear what it is, as you guys are, and we will, we'll, fi- we'll find out shortly, all right? So we're going to pray real quick, and then we'll go ahead and head out. Um, thanks for our three-year anniversary as well. Glad you guys were able to um, come on a Sunday that you had no idea was our three-year anniversary. All right, so God, thank you for the opportunity to love you, Um, to honor you, to worship you. I ask that you would just guide our hearts and minds as we pursue you. God, we want to be more like you. We want to fix our eyes on you more this week than last week. Will you give us a passion and a desire to know you truly? In your name, amen. If you enjoyed this podcast, we encourage you to like and subscribe for more from your Reclaim Church family. God bless, and we hope that you have an amazing week.